You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. Hell yeah. Yes, On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. Yeah. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing. This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fan Podcast. If there are any Die Hard Duke Basketball fans left, we got a lot to cover here, AC. Um, but I wanted to start off with something because, you know, I'm not sure that Jack actually has ever done this with us, AC, where, you know, we have a little thing that we've been doing for the last four or five years called the Duke Fan Blanket Statement Bingo. So I don't know, AC, how many times you won. I got the zigzag. I got the four corners. I won so many different ways, but I'm looking at Twitter and, you know, the message boards today. <laughs> the whole board uh, is filled up, man. The whole, the whole, the whole board, is, the whole thing is full. You know, I, I had a couple that I wrote down because these are some of my favorites. Um, that K is the GOAT, but, and then you can insert why he's lost it. Uh, no Final Fours the last six years with insert lottery pick name. Some of that I've seen uh, so far, Tatum, Brandon Ingram, RJ, Zion, you know, you know the list, uh, as if they all play together on the same team. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. blanket statements as if, you know, everything was absolutely perfect every single year and K just fucked it up. Pardon my French. Uh, no, uh, yeah, so Coach K just rolls the ball out there. I saw that quite a bit, AC. You know I oh, love yeah. that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Coach, nice K makes, uh, Coach K makes zero adjustments and just uh, plays ISO ball. That's his only offense. He doesn't make any adjustments. Uh, let's see, uh, Jay Wright, Mark Few, Tony Bennett. Uh, now I'm seeing Leonard Hamilton and Jim Laranega all do more with less than K. Um, one and done doesn't work. We are a sweet 16 or elite 18 at best. Uh, as if there's just some kind of well, hey, that's an improvement. That's I because yeah, so most seen, of the ones uh, I saw where we couldn't get out of the first weekend. Yeah, so I've seen uh, I've seen those ones. Someone I saw uh, said we might not be a six seed. Okay, yeah, but there <laughs> yes, you go. So yes. uh, look, okay. hey, hold on. Can I just Duke Twitter and Duke family or whatever? Please, can y'all please just can y'all calm down, man? Like I got a family, I got stuff I got to do during the day. I can't spend the whole day on Twitter, man. Like, come on, man, calm down. I'm from Philadelphia. I've seen my fair share of of yes. incredibly absurd sports takes. Yes. Yeah. Some of y'all just, be I Knicks never Eagles fans, just be a Nixon Eagles fan for like a week and you will understand <laughs> that none of this matters. None of it. it. It is so absurd to, you know, like, and, and here's the, here's the problem is that you, you always get the, the, uh, what do you call it? AC? like, you always get the buffer where you always get the, mm-hmm. the statement where it's like, well, he's the best, but, mm-hmm. you know, he always, mm-hmm. they always throw that in there. Well, you know, yeah, yeah he's, he's the, he's the joke, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, the qualifiers, and it's just like, well, yeah, I know 
he he's gone at twelve twenty first, but you know it's just it's just so stupid. You know it, it is one of those things where you know you start getting labeled a, a Coach K or a Duke uh, apologist because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you dare bring up the fact that their arguments and their beef is completely ridiculous. Yeah, and look. Personally, I am going to choose to enjoy this last season and enjoy Kay's last ride and whatever. If we lose in the first round, I am still going to enjoy it because I got to see my entire life's worth of basketball with this man, and it's yeah. been incredible. So that's that's the route I'm going to choose. Well, if, you, you know, if the other I, people choose that other route, you know what? They, gotta, they have to they have to do what they have to do. That's fine. But, but yeah, but my thing my thing with that right. is is that you know yeah you can do you can do. Both. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to say the sky is falling right. every time we lose a game. Exactly. And you don't have to say that pay, you know, is above reproach and whatever. Like you can have it both ways. You can say, hey, because we're gonna talk about it. Let's not let's let's just be honest here. Yeah. We're gonna talk about there are multiple things out there. Like spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. Like you can t- we can talk about how how bad the adjustments were last night. At the same time, we can also talk about how good the end game adjustment was. Because that was incredible. The fact that we had a chance to even win that game was incredible. And we're going to talk about right. that in a minute, with, especially right. with stats. But so it can it can be both. Like we can do both, and it's like it is okay. It is okay, Duke Nation. It's fine. Like oh my god, look, I feel like every year this is like this is something every year. Like last week, Jack, we talked about you know this week in Duke history. We talked about, and we'll get to that segment again. But we talked about the fact that in January, yeah, you know Duke for whatever reason they're going through adjustments. You know whatever. Obviously, last night, you know, one of them is, you know, Trevor Keelan's down. So there are things that happen, and, you know, Duke is prone to a couple of stumbles. But, you know, yeah, we, we, have a, we have a couple of stumbles in our last four games. It happens. So we have uh, – we played three games since we last touched base, right? Mm-hmm. We had the loss to Miami, so we come back. We go out Wake, which, AC, did you predict us to win that game, or did you – Wake was the one to produce the win. NC State was the okay. one to probably and then NC State, Okay, yeah. but but either way, uh, you know we had two big wins, mm-hmm. and we'll cover those big wins. And then Duke Nation, as they tend to do, everybody's like, okay, now now I'm back to the final four. You know, we can do Kyle's <laughs> back, Kyle's back, uh, and then and then we get, and then we get a last night and we go to FSU. <laughs> and we go to FSU. Okay, and I can't. I can't. the thing the thing is is that if you read a lot of the predictions from Duke fans prior to the game is this is always this is always a tough game for us. It's always really tough playing down there. It's, you know, this is always one that gives us fish. But then when we lose, it's the, it's, it is like the world has ended. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just amazing. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy yep. stupid. But okay, let's talk about the negative though. We've had two ACC games that we've lost and I want to start here. 32 turnovers. Right? Mm-hmm. And we've given up more offensive rebounds in those two games than I think we've had the rest of the season combined. Mm-hmm. So those are clearly areas I want to focus on first. So AC, talk about both of those. So the, the turn, so the, in the two areas that you brought up, it speaks to there's there's a higher, I guess a high, not a higher power. There's, there's a there's a bigger problem here, and that is the field goal uh, disparity. That's the, that's the one thing I kind of want to, I want to talk about, especially the two things you brought up. Cause those two, the two things you brought up speak to this exact thing. We as a team, especially at HCC conference play have been, I want to say it's like minus 18 or 19 
in field goal disparity between a field goals attempted. That is insane. Like most Duke teams, a lot of looking back in history, a lot of Duke teams have been under the field goal attempted mark with other teams because defensively we force teams to be inefficient on offense. We're not always a great rebounding team, but we force turnovers and we shoot more, typically shoot more free throws than the other team takes. This season, outside of a couple of outliers, that really hasn't been the case. Other teams that we've played have shot more free throws than we've shot or even shot more free throws than we've made. Case in point, Florida State last night. They've taken more free throws or field goals, and the out, the offensive rebounding the last two games has been off the wall. Like the fact that we we let up 17 and 16 offensive rebounds is insane. So that's that's a big deal, man. Like as efficient as we are on offense, for us to turn the ball over like that and us to not rebound, it's that's tough. That's tough to overcome because you can only be so efficient if the the whistles aren't blowing your way or if they're double teaming your best players or if they're packing the lane like the the packing the lane thing is the thing I was really the most worried about with this team because this is the exact type of game you will see in that in that in that realm when you have a team that packs the lane like this you're going to see a lot of physical play a lot of a lot of hand checking a lot of action at the rim and pause and it's just that's that's the type of game that this team's going to have to learn to play through because now Ohio State and Florida State, we lost two games that were like that. Yeah, and, and Jack, so let's talk about something AC did bring up, and I did not want to bring this up this quickly, but there's two things that I, I noticed that in our three losses that our toughness has taken a bit of a hit, is very inconsistent. And then the other thing is, I, I mean, well, I'm just going to talk about the, the play at the end in overtime. Jeremy Roach, th- there was no way in the world that that was a blocking ball. Talk me off the ledge, Jack. You're right. That was a charge. It was incorrectly called. It probably cost Duke the game. But I just want to say this. Duke lost by one point in a game where they took 18 less shots and had 10 more turnovers than mm-hmm. Florida State. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Dude, that's that insane. says a lot. That I have never, I mean, obviously, immediately after the game, I was incredibly pissed. But, like, you know, I slept it off. I wake up. I, I've never felt like as confident yeah. in the Duke team after a loss as I, I do right now. Yeah. No, seriously though. Like, and we only made three more three pointers and like, it wasn't like we made a bunch of like more efficient shots either. Like, and we took less free throws. We, we shot, we made 14 shot 18. They made 20. So they, they made more than we even shot. And somehow we still only lost by one. The, the one thing I was going to actually talk about real quick was that, you know, Jeremy, once Trevor Keels went out, I just kind of felt like he's like, okay, this is my time to to kind of regain what I mean, there's so many two fans out there that have cast him aside so quickly. Mm-hmm. Where are they right now? Because without him, we could have mm-hmm. easily folded that game. We could have easily yeah. folded that game. Kyle didn't even get a shot attempt for what felt like an eternity. The the announcers didn't want us to forget that. But, you know, at the end of the day, there was a lot of positives that we can take from this. We're not all negative here. Yeah, it, like, Jeremy, it, it was almost like it sort of felt like when Kevin Ware went down for Louisville and that kind of galvanized that team. It's yeah, kind of the same thing here. Like, Trevor went down, and then it was almost like Jeremy was like, my brother's down, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be the one to pick him up. Like, he, he, he went to almost another level if you, if you want to you know, that, use that cliche or whatever. Like, he was really, really, really good at the end of that game. And 
I've spoken about it before. We were tweeting about it and texting about it yesterday. But the Jeremy Mark two-man game is that's where we're going to find our secondary or even tertiary offense here. Like Paulo's going to be our, he's got to be our number one offense. He has to be. He's got to, he's almost got to be our point center at times, which I, I love. And I want that to happen as long as we're not facing a bunch of double teams. Like he was last night. That's that's a, that's a Leonard Hamilton statement more than most other coaches, but Jeremy and Mark using that two man game, they were both their most efficient last season in that two-man at the end of the year. When Mark had that six-game stretch and Jeremy had his awesome six-game stretch, they were running the two-man. The same thing happened last night. Kate went to the two-man because Paulo was getting doubled every touch. AJ was getting doubled on his drives. He couldn't make the lane. So you needed another option, and that other option was Jeremy making the lane, which he's done all season. We talked about it at the start of the season that if Jeremy made the lane, it would be a wrap on how good our offense could be, and he used that to perfection with Mark. And it really changed what Hamilton had to do because then he couldn't double Paulo anymore. He couldn't double AJ anymore. And, and guess what? Both of those two went off as they should after that happened. So that's got to be a part of our offense moving forward. Yeah, Jack, I thought one of the things that we really needed to try to find a way to do, and, and a lot of this obviously comes with, you know, blocking out on the defensive glass because one of the advantages that Duke has is getting out into transition. And the play that AC is talking about, the one that kind of spearheaded our our comeback, so to speak, at the end of regulation, was that, you know, play from Jeremy where he just speeds down the court and throws an absolute bullet to Mark who sighs for it and throws it down. That's the kind of play that we needed kind of last night where we couldn't even get it because of the the, the lack of defensive rebounding for, for Duke. But where do you see Duke? kind of making their adjustments and trying to get their team back into transition. I think it's, I think getting the ball first before you even get in transition is the biggest part of it. I think that Emil Jefferson is going to have his work cut out for him this week when, with uh, working on the guys with rebound, uh, working with the guys on rebounding. I think, I think we got to make sure that the, uh, we got guys like Wendell and Trevor or whoever's starting at that two spot. Trevor, AJ are like leaking it out in transition a little bit, maybe, but also you got to protect the guards on a long rebound. There's a lot to it. Obviously it's basketball is a very nuanced game in that aspect. You got to talk, you got to figure out how to get Mark in proper position. You got to figure out how to get Paulo in proper position. You got to get the guards ready for a long rebound, but also free to run in transition, depending on how long the rebound is. It's very, I don't know. It's complex. And I trust Emil Jefferson to work with it at the end of the day. And just to, real quick, just to speak on the rebounding aspect, the the seventeen eighteen team, which was one of one of the best rebounding efficiency teams Duke's ever had, because of because of Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter, they had twenty seven rebounds a game. This Duke team this year right now, we're second in the conference in conference play in rebounding with thirty eight a game. So it's not like our rebounding. It's not like we can't rebound. Like we all see it. There were so many loose balls. There were so many, like, there were so many rebounds we couldn't grab. We would make a stop, and then suddenly just the ball would slip out of our hands or whatever else would happen. And, yeah. yes, we gave up so many offensive rebounds and everything else. We're still, we're still second in the conference in offensive rebounding. Like, that's the thing. Like, our, our rebounding isn't bad. It's not like we don't have capable rebounders. It's a scheme problem right now. It is a scheme thing. Like, that last night's game against Florida State was a bad scout, in my opinion. Just in my opinion, looking at it as a co- as a coach, that was a bad scout. We did not prepare for what Leonard Hamilton 
always does. Like it's not like this is new. So this the, here, here's where we here's where the where the Coach K haters will like this podcast. K and the staff did a really bad job of preparing for something that they knew was coming. That's my opinion for thirty minutes. But for the last ten minutes, he did an incredible job of adjusting because making Florida State shoot threes from that zone was that was a that was an incredibly nuanced move, and I loved it. I will yes. say I sorry I I agree completely with that. Um, I will say also I think having Mark down in the zone also big thing with him was I saw a, pe- a few people on Twitter talking about this like the Hassan Whiteside kind of thing where he's going to go for the block suddenly he's out of position for the rebound mm-hmm. having him alone in the zone down there with no one to help him out on a rebound kind of forced him to stay in the paint he wouldn't he wasn't going for as many blocks right. which would take him out of position. So suddenly Duke always has a guy down there to grab the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the other thing just to follow up on that is, you know, something we've been kind of talking about the last few games, whether it's on here or uh, over a text is you kind of figure that out though. You know, Jack, he's always Mm going to go for the block and Theo goes for the blocks as well. So, you know, one of you take this one, but the the reality is that we have to figure out how to get, and protect our weak side mm-hmm. on the defensive blast. Because if you're going to go, look, you don't want to take away our advantage of the ability to block shots at the rim at the rate that we're doing it. I mean, Mark's right. incredible at that. And, you know, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt on a couple that, you know, may or may not be goaltends. But that's great yep. because that, that gives our, you know, ability, our guards the ability to, to pressure the ball. So the, the other thing is the weak side defenders, they have got to get down, they have got to block out. And then I'm not going to let Mark gonna pass on this one. He, he relies more on his length and his athleticism and his reach than anything else. He needs to get an ass on people, too. Let's be honest about it. Absolutely. I'll, I'll start and I'll segue to Jack so he can finish it up. But absolutely. And, again, that's that's a scheme thing. One, one thing I would like to see us do is, is come out of the overplay a little bit because we don't force enough turnovers to continue to justify the old 90s overplay. The game has changed. The efficiency is different. The shots people are taking are different. The overplay isn't – it's not as effective. We can still play out to the three-point line because our three-point defense efficiency has been sick this year. So I'm, I'm cool with keeping it the way it is. I And I don't even think that we need to drop somebody down in the weak side again because that's going to leave the corner open. Like, I'm, I'm cool with how they're making the defensive rotations. It's not necessarily like the mark block attempts. Yes, those, those are problems. Like, we saw it three times in a row against NC State. But that was kind of it. Like the the mark block attempts and then that weak side rebound isn't necessarily the big problem. It's some of the other rebounds throughout the game where we just can't grab a loose ball. We don't block out under the basket. You get somebody who gets down and actually gets into the lane, especially when Mark is out. And it, it's really when Mark is out, when you have Theo in, you might have Paulo out or you might have Paulo in. Like that's that's where we see a lot of those issues. And and one person I want to point out is AJ Griffin. Like. I want to see him mix it up more physically. Yeah. And maybe he has been shy about it because of his injuries, but he is an incredible rebounder between his length, his athleticism and the way he positions and the way he watches the, the guy off ball before the ball even goes to the rim. It's, it's really, it's like fundamentally beautiful to watch him rebound the ball, but he doesn't do it enough. Like for him to be six, seven with a seven, one wingspan and he only gets you know three or four rebounds a game. That's not enough. Like he, he that's, that he's got to set that physicality up. That's what. That's one thing I want to see him and Wendell both. What do you guys? Yeah, that, yeah, Jeff, take the, take this one home because I think uh, we we've wrapped it all on the floor here. 
I I really think it is it is a scheme issue primarily. I think AJ is our most skilled rebounder, but I mean, when he was coming off the bench, he was playing the four most of the time, mm-hmm. kind of like a small ball four, and he was he was in position to grab these rebounds pretty consistently because of that. Now he's starting at the three, which kind of leaves him more out on the perimeter, which has led to his decreasing um, rebounding numbers. Same thing with Wendell; he's kind of moved to a guard spot from a forward spot, which is been very interesting to see if it has impacted his rebounding numbers a little bit but I think he he's just been less aggressive I don't know what's up with that um maybe he's still recovering because from what I understand he he was the one that was hit the hardest when the team had COVID Mm -hmm. um but I I honestly don't know um I don't know what it's been with him we'll we'll figure that out that's a different (laughs) issue but it's (laughs) it's on Mark, it's on Paulo, it's on AJ primarily, because those are the three guys that are going to be able to crash, grab the rebounds, and be fundamentally sound, although we've only really seen AJ be consistently fundamentally sound grabbing a rebound, yeah. and now he's out on the perimeter, it's harder for him to do that, that's going to hurt our rebounding numbers a lot. And that, I'm truly like, and I'm, and you know this is discussion topic or whatever. I'm not I'm not saying it'd be a jerk or anything. I actually kind of disagree a little bit with that. I think Paolo has been a really really good rebounder. I think his positioning he tracks down he tracks down the longer rebound really well. He gets under the basket well. He mixes it up well. He gets he gets a lot of our offensive rebounds. Like 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 TK mentioned, Mark has been the one that I just I want him to. Like that the twenty rebound performance last year, and I promised I wouldn't do this to myself, and I promised I wouldn't do this for <laughs> us because we talked about it to begin the season. Don't expect that out of him again for a little while. We talked about it, but by the same token, his, that when he had that twenty rebound performance, he was fundamentally doing the right. Like he he looked like really he looked like his sister out there when she was when she was playing for Duke. He was getting under the ball. He was finding a body. He was doing all those things, and then this year he's gotten like it's all he's gotten cute with it. Like he's he's reaching right. for everything. He's he's you know he's out of position. He's waiting for somebody to get to the lane before he tries the block attempt. Like nah, man, just like get yourself set. Mark anticipated, and we talked about it to begin the season when he looked bad to begin the season. He was not anticipating well, and I just uh-huh. want to see him get better with that anticipation. And one thing, real quick, TK, before you go, yep, I, I just want to clear one thing up. I said the seventeen eighteen team only had twenty seven rebounds a game. That's 27 defensive rebounds a game. They had 38 on that season. However, it still fits what I'm talking about. Our total rebounding this year is 39.9. They had 38.0 in, in ACC play, 27.7 uh, defensive rebounds a game. We got 27.5. So, like, we are on on par with one of the best rebounding Duke teams we've ever had. So, I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You know, that's I think that's one of the things that we're all most frustrated by in games like last night games like Miami, uh, even the NC State to an extent, where we, we have phenomenal rebounders on our team or the, the players that have the ability to be phenomenal rebounders. Mm-hmm. I agree with Jack a little bit. I do think Powell is a little bit inconsistent uh, rebounding the ball, but you can't really argue what he did the last few games. But, you know, if you're Mark Williams, though, 34 minutes last night, and you're the man in the middle, you can't have seven rebounds. That's just mm-hmm. kind of unacceptable mm-hmm. at seven feet with the length and athleticism you have. Especially with Florida State, especially with Florida State going 28 for 73. Right. 35% from two. And Mark only had seven rebounds. That is unacceptable. Unacceptable. 
we only got out rebounded by five rebounds last night, and you would right. think like, and that's how that's why it's so frustrating because yeah. we can be so much better. But all right, we can talk about that, you know, for for pretty much the entire <laughs> podcast. There were there were two other games. We're not going to touch on them a whole lot. There were big wins. We went two went for us, and I thought that was one of our better wins this year. Mm-hmm. Just going there on the road, winning convincingly, it was really never close. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ had a big game with twenty two. Then uh, at, MC, uh, uh, at home against NC State, the Crazies were back. That was awesome to see. They were fantastic, and they're going to have to be fantastic again on Saturday against Syracuse. So two good wins there. we got to step back and look at everything holistically, though. And we dropped a lot of truth. We dropped a lot of knowledge on, on our fans. So now it's time to have a little bit of a uh, therapy session, Jack. I don't know what you have on your mind or – She's Who you think you are, but that's not happening here. A little Dr. Phil, if you will, because I think we need to we need to sit back. Mm-hmm. We need to, you know, maybe prescribe a few things for, for <laughs> our listeners. You know, we're not, we don't, you know, we want to beat them down, but we want to build them back up, Jack. That's what we try to do here in the, uh, in the therapy lounge. So other than, you know, you know, IVs and things like that, like we needed earlier in the year, what kind of things do you see this Duke team needing from a uh, mental therapy session to get a little bit tougher, to get a little bit more, uh, I don't know what's the right word, mentally strong? They just need a leader who's consistently vocal. Maybe they need Coach K to give every single one of them that Tatum speech. They need Paulo to take over. They need Paulo to take it personally like he did against Gonzaga. They need, they need Wendell to... They need Wendell to step up like he ha- like he was before the pause. They need Jeremy Roach to be consistent floor general. They need Trevor Keels to improve his shot selection, be incredibly aggressive on defense. They need Theo John to be Theo John consistently. They need they just need consistency. And these guys, they just they need to be loud. They need to take every single slight smallest thing personally and attack. And just never let up. That's yeah, how I feel. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that I think you're spot on, actually. And, and I want to kind of break it down individually. Uh, and you know, we, you know, let's t- let's put the uh, COVID stuff aside, AC, because we don't yeah. obviously know what the, the physical stuff took yeah. a toll on toll, toll on him. So let's just talk about the mental side of it. Obviously, it probably could be play a factor there. I I'm not doubting that. But let's just pretend here everything's even. Let's just talk about the the mental errors that that Wendell has been making the last few games, even in Duke wins. Yeah, it's I'll I'll start with the adjustment came made at the end of the Florida State game because that's the most recent thing we have in the zone and and maybe who, who he played he played a, a ton of minutes this game. Wendell was he was either gassed or he was just not in it because on the rotation at the top of the zone, yeah, Florida State missed a bunch of shots. They missed a bunch of threes, but a lot of their threes were wide open. And that's, that's you know, you're going to get that in a zone, and that's fine because you're getting the side-to-side three. Long story. Anyway, Jeremy was having to cover so much ground to cover for Wendell. Like, Wendell, this week, it came out after the Miami game that Wendell called a, a players-only meeting. I hate those so much, by the way. He was calling himself out, calling other players out. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. Got to do that. And then at the top of the zone, he's he's essentially walking. Like he is not covering his part of the zone, and Jeremy's having to cover for him. And one of the things that led to that final play where Jeremy fouled, quote unquote, 
was he had he was covering Wendell's quadrant at the top of the zone before he got over to the other dude and was still in position. So before we start calling Jeremy Roach out for stuff, like look at the other dude because Jeremy was doing his job, man. That's what I've been talking about all season. Like Wendell, these last few games have been rough for Wendell, and I think it I think and know it will get better. But the the one thing I've talked about before and one thing I, I think we're seeing now is Wendell needs to be off ball and he needs to be our third, maybe fourth option in the offense, which is great for him. And I think that's where he sits. It, it, we, we compare him to Chris Carowell. It was the same thing with Carowell. If Carowell was our third or fourth option with that team with Jason Williams and Shane Battier and, and freshman Mike Dunleavy, that team probably would have made it to the final four, but it, it wasn't the case. Carowell had to be the second, sometimes first option for that team. He's not that type of guy. And that's the same thing with Wendell here. He was having that national player of the year type of season and everything. And this mm. is why those rankings don't mean anything to begin the season. He's now regressed, which natural, natural regression. Cool. But he has regressed to where he belongs, which is the third or fourth option on this team. And, and that's cool. So that's where I yeah. want him to sit. But he, it, if that's the case, he's still got to go and do And he's the captain. He's got to go and do the other things. Like, he's got to play defense. He's got to be one of our main defensive stoppers and shut. He's got to take that Trevor Kills and probably and shut his dude down. And that, that's what I want to see out of him. Yeah, that's, that's actually one thing that I love seeing about Trevor Kills. And, and we'll talk about his injury for a second, uh, just because it was such a, it looked horrible, but it was obviously a blessing to see, you know, when they showed him in, in the tunnel, you know, trying to put weight on and trying to run. You knew he wasn't going to come back. Just to be able to see that, though, mm-hmm. that's huge. And so hopefully it's only a couple of weeks. You know, obviously we can't speculate on what it is. But, you know, one thing about Trevor, though, is that guy, whether he shoots two for eight, two for 10, two for 11, he is a dog on defense. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like a guy like Wendell, and I'm not trying to pick on Wendell, but, you know, here's the thing is that, you know, Trevor is such a dog on defense, Jack, that, you would like to see your team captain like AC Sand. You'd like to see him do that. Wendell, when he's when he's locked in, he's a he's a fantastic defender. Mm-hmm. So how can he lead by example by doing that and say the rest of the team, hey, watch me dig in? Because I've seen Jeremy do it. I've seen Trevor do it. Paolo. I've seen Paolo do it. You know, and Mark's kind of a different subject. But really, you know, Wendell's been inconsistent. Theo's been inconsistent. Joey just doesn't have the God-given athletic ability to be able to be consistent with it. Nope. So, you know, those are just things like where where can we get these guys to all be like, okay, look, rest of this year, we are digging in and we're all going to be dogs on defense. I mean, I really – I don't know what's up with Wendell. We've seen him step up. We've seen him be that guy on offense and on defense – Mm-hmm. Like we've seen it multiple seasons. Remember that Boston College game uh, in January of last yep. year? Like, how many guys did he just single handedly take out of games defensively this year? I honestly think he was just gassed because we have seen him be a lockdown yeah. defender this year. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. hope he was gassed. I'm be completely honest because, like, like we have said all season, like that Chris Carowell kind of like a, a Grant Hill light kind of player. I think that's what Wendell is. He's an off-the-ball guy, great defender. He can facilitate, but he's not the he cannot be the main guy consistently, and he's gonna be able to score. 
I think last night before those last few seconds of overtime was probably his best game since the pause, just on the fact that he was playing his role. He was mm-hmm. hitting shots. Mm-hmm. He just made a bad decision at the end that that's what people are going to remember. It's kind of like Trevon Duvall against Kansas. Yeah. People remember that one mistake he made at the end. But he's the reason we were even in that game. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that, that's, those are things that just bother me, but go ahead. But do you, Jay, do you think it's mental? Because I think it's mental. As, as I think it's mental. Watching players throughout the seasons and coaching players throughout the years, like the, the fact that he ignored Kay's play con, and maybe he didn't hear it. The fact that he ignored plays Kate's play call and took the ball down the floor himself and, and took it to the basket the way he did, that felt like he was trying to prove something, not not to maybe to the team and to the coaches, but also to himself. Like, I felt like a prove-it thing. So are you, it are definitely you, okay. was. Are, are, are you okay like. with it then? Either one of you. Are you okay in, with it? In January, honestly, yeah, I am. Like, I'm, I'm cool with it in January, like. Am I cool with it over history? We've seen it. We we saw it against UNC last year. We've seen it at the end of the clock at the half a couple times this season. We saw it in the blue-white game. He did it in the blue-white game this year, too, where he did the exact same thing he did against UNC last year, where he took it into no man's land down on the basket. There is is a disconnect with Wendell and end of game. And some players are absolutely like that. it's, It's just one of those things. Some players, the clock is just their anxiety. It is what it is. Some players, the clock makes them better. Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's some players have it, some players don't. I just don't think Wendell has it at the end of the clock on the ball. Off the ball, I think he can think the game through and do what he needs to do. On the ball, I don't think he has it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I You know, look, we've said coming into the year, we've said it since he's been here, that he is, when this, when, when, on a team that you want to be very good or great, third or fourth option is is fantastic. And I think that, yeah, you know what? You're the team captain. You want to try to try to make that play. <laughs> I mean, you're kind mm-hmm. of proving that you're not that guy, but that's not really what we're asking you to do. You work, you work better when you get the ball to Paolo, you get the ball to Jeremy, mm-hmm. either one of them creates and Trevor was not on the court, even to AJ to an extent. And then you be Wendell, you're, you know what you're great at? hitting, catching and hitting threes or being around the rim to tap it in. We saw on the SUC mm-hmm. your freshman year. Like they, Play to your strength. Yeah. I understand what you're trying to do. Uh, and I'll give you the benefit of that. Maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't hear the, the call, but it was pretty obvious what the call yeah. was. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so th- I mean, there's that. So is, is there anything else in the therapy lounge that we want to cover here? Because there's, there's a couple things that I thought were positive, actually. I thought that the play of Theo was a positive. He showed strength. He showed mm-hmm. toughness. Mm-hmm. He led by example. I actually thought Joey did the same thing last night, to be honest with you. I got a Joey thing, but I want Jack to go first. Okay. I mean, I don't really think there's much else to add for being completely honest. I think, uh, uh, I think guys need to stick in their roles. I think I said this a lot last year. Wendell is a great player when he isn't trying to be James Harden. Right. Mm-hmm. He's been mm-hmm. trying to be James Harden too much lately. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think he's gonna get back into himself, and I think, I you're think, right. I think the team's gonna get back to where they were before everything, like before the new year. And uh, I think we're gonna be I think we're gonna be fine. This again, this is one of the few games where I'm coming out feeling very okay mm-hmm. with the team. I think yeah, you're I'm right, gonna... Jack. I think February Wendell is gonna be a, like almost like a different player. Yeah, and I really mean that. But 
the one the one that I want to get on is there's two basketball players I I don't like. It's Bullius Randall for the Knicks, <laughs> and it's and it's 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 Joey Baker with with the pump fake pump fake Joey. I need him. I oh, need him to go away. Leave like leave this place. I don't need you anymore. Stop it. Like his. The the pump like he's pump faking and the player that's defending him isn't even going for it, man. But stop with the stupid ball fake. Like you don't you're not doing it. We need him. We do. We we need Joey to be good. But dude, just be you, man. Just shoot. Just shoot. You're six seven. You can shoot over the six two dude that's guarding you. Like you don't need to pump fake that guy. Like just take the pump fake away. Get go and stop. Stop. Just stop. Just be done with it. Because we need those extra six to seven points he's going to give us a game. Yeah, I, I think that there was multiple times last night. Actually, it happened with Glenn Dell multiple times. I was texting you guys, just shoot the, just shoot the damn ball. Just shoot mm-hmm. it. Like, you're, 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 you're playing right into the defense half the time, but mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, I, think we, I think, Jack, honestly, AC and I need a little bit of a breather. We, we, we needed that th- therapy session as much as the, the, the fans did. So let's get back to a sandwich that everybody loves universally, and that is this week in Duke basketball. Take it away, Jack. All right, so we're going to start. This is the week of January 17th. We are going to start with that, go back to 2002, Duke playing Maryland, the eventual national champions. Was this the game at Duke, Jack? Pretty sure it was. Pretty sure it was. Don't quote me on that, but I'm about 99% sure it was because Jay Williams – yeah. 34 points. Yeah. Eight assists, three steals. Yeah. 99 78 win for the Blue Devils behind mm-hmm. Jay Will. Mike Jay Will and, and Dunleavy went nuts. You're, you're forgetting someone. Dunleavy, he did have 21 points. He had nine rebounds, four assists, and a mm-hmm. crazy amount of steals. He had seven of them. All of that was like in the second half for him, too. It was crazy. That's true. That's true. I have that game on. I, funny. Like, this is how here's, how. here's how old I am. I have that game on VHS and I watch it at least twice a year. I, I, that, awesome. that is an awesome game, dude. Daniel Ewing was awesome that game. Yes, he was. But biggest thing other than those two guys, Carlos Boozer had 20 points. He mm-hmm. shot eight free throws, made all of them. All right, we're going to go ahead to January 18th, go back to 2006. Duke playing NC State, an 81-68 victory for the Blue Devils behind Sheldon Williams mm-hmm. and J.J. Reddick. No surprise there. Sheldon, <laughs> That's all we had all season that year. <laughs> it was a two-man team. And Josh Roberts sometimes. Occasionally. But uh, Sheldon had 21, nine boards, four blocks, and five steals, which incredible all-around game for him. Mm-hmm. J.J. had 28 points and added six assists to that, too. He wasn't just doing the scoring in that game. Yep. That was a very good all-around game. And we're yeah. going to go January 19th. There have been a few games in Duke history on January 19th. We'll go to 1985 to start a Carolina game. Johnny Dawkins had 34 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and four steals. Mark, Mark added 19. Dave Henderson also, he had 10 points. He only made one shot. He had 10 points. He had eight <laughs> made free throws. He actually shot one for 10. Um, we're not going to talk about that. Score, he had four steals. He had four steals. Now that, he was, um, yeah, yeah, those three really kind of led. Again, huge 93-77 win over Carolina. Uh, 1991, another Carolina win. 74-60 for mm-hmm. Duke over Carolina. Leitner had 18 points, 12 rebounds, three steals. And uh, Bobby Hurley had eight assists. But the crazy thing, Hill led Duke that game with 20 points in 23 minutes. But it wasn't mm-hmm. Grant. It was Thomas Hill. 
I love Thomas Hill. <laughs> love I love points Hill. in 23 minutes for Thomas Hill. All right, what else we got, Jack? All right, so I'm going to go last one for January 19th, which is today. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, 2019, Duke versus Virginia. Zion, oh, 27 yeah. points, oh, nine yeah. rebounds. Oh, RJ, man. 35 and three assists. Good. 30 points, five rebounds. I should be clear. What a game. 35 rebounds, three assists. Duke wins 72-70. It was not as close as the final score indicated. Jimmy, tell the buzzer beater for UVA. Tell him, tell him. We were, we were watching that game together. Uh, I mean, Duke, I, think was the, I think that was the first game we um, watched together. Yeah, we, we won that we game. Got, we got lit in rested retreat. Oh, my gosh. It was a fun night for some of us. Uh, better <laughs> night for, for others. Um, but that is it. That is uh, Duke this week in history. That is pretty awesome. Keep it going, Jack. I got one more pretty. I yeah, got, oh, give me one more. Give me one more. So one of the games I have on here is a loss, but it's a game that JJ put up 40. Which one was that? Was it Georgetown? Georgetown. Georgetown. Yeah, I, was I, was I was at that game, too. I was at that game. Were you at that game? All right, Jack, that was fantastic as usual, even if AC kept cutting you off. <laughs> I, was just, I was just throwing seasoning in, man. Give me a break. And we, so that is uh, that is Jackson. <laughs> uh, we'll link to, to, to see uh, what happens next week in Duke history. I'm sure AC will have plenty to talk about there. But uh, Next thing, week's a good week. <laughs> but one thing he did yeah, say, wait. though, is that, you know, that, that 14-15 team had a lot of things in there about that season. And that was the last time we won a championship. So let's do this really quickly here. Jack, I'll start with you. What is Duke's path to a championship this season? Um, so they make the tournament after the conference tournament, and then they have to win six games. Oh, cool. There it is. <laughs> that's, how easy it is. that's the Baylor that's, answer, dog. That's that, that's ba- that's I'm sorry. Is. I'm not. Nah, 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 I think I think you the answer the is quite hands. simply figuring out how to score when Paulo's being denied or how to get Paulo the ball if they're denying him high post, which I said and many people said last night mm-hmm. on Twitter, mm-hmm. is get him the ball at the top of the key and let him cook because no one can guard him one-on-one from up there. Yep, That's my opinion. A lot of clearing out, a lot of mark at the high posts and everyone else on the perimeter just let Paulo cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his, his vision is so good that the more opportunities you give him to play make, that's why I thought Florida State's, you know, idea to double him every single chance, just kind of deny him any opportunity to get the ball. One of the things, AC, that, I, that I've that i been preaching about is spacing. I think one of the problems, mm-hmm. it, it makes it a lot easier to double and front Paolo and deny him the ball when your spacing is so poor. So I'd like to see us try to figure out the spacing a little bit better. Yep. And then obviously ad nauseum, just kind of figure out our, our weak side uh, defensive rebounding. We can steam those two things and cut down on the mental mistakes. Mm-hmm. I don't see why this can't be a Final Four team and be one of the favorites to win it. Absolutely, and, and, and Jack is exactly right. And I, I don't even think that Pella needs needs to bring the ball up every possession. Just I don't think he should, personally. He, <laughs> he needs to be our – the second or third pass in the offense needs to be followed every, every single time. So let's make sure our scheme is good to make sure that we can rebound. Let's make sure our scout is good so that the rebounding isn't that much of a problem anymore. We've had two games where teams out offensive rebounded like crazy two games. Like let's chill out a little bit. All right. It will be schemed out. And then let's, we just need one more wrinkle in our offense or our defense, primarily our defense to just make sure that we're not getting beat off the bounce. Against Ohio State, we only blocked two shots that game, and Key went nuts on us down low. 
when we lost to Miami, they drove on us all game long. They beat us back door against Florida state. Again, they were super inefficient on offense, but they just shot so many more shots than we actually took. So we just have to scheme against those couple of things. And we're going to be fine, dude. Like we, if anybody is equipped to win six games this season, it's us. So our path to the championship is to be us. Just play like Duke. That's our path. There we have it. So win six games in a row. If you make it to the tournament, that's the way to do it. All right. So we have two of those games in order to make the tournament coming up before our next podcast. First one is Saturday and the dreaded 12 p.m. noon game. Ooh. I hate these games. Ooh, I hate this game. I, 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 I might I be hate. in a car. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, just, I, I mean, there's no excuse for a 12 p.m. noon game with colleges. I mean, game. God, I hate these games. Right, better way, noon guys. on a Saturday than noon on a Tuesday. Well, uh, yes, uh, good point, Jack. You're making a lot of good points tonight. I gotta be honest with you. Exactly. All right, so and with and with and with that, give me a score prediction though for uh, Syracuse Saturday at noon. Well, uh, Syracuse is a weird team, but they're also pretty consistent in that they score between seventy and eighty points in most of their games. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, obviously, Duke Paulo in the middle of his own is uh, a dream come true. Quite frankly. I'm just <laughs> I'm gonna say <laughs> it's gonna be Duke eighty four Syracuse seventy six, and right, it's only and gonna be that close because that's how Duke and Syracuse tend to play each other. And AC, how many threes does uh, Gerard hit? I know a lot of Duke fans only wanted to get one. him back in the day. One, oh, okay, good. One uh, six no, one. Gerard in high school, he was crazy, but he was a three star recruit for a reason. Yes, right. he's six right. one. He's unathletic. But the the two there's two Bayheim brothers on the team. Guess oh who, yeah. Guess who the two leading scorers are for Syracuse? The, the Bayheims. Yeah. Jim Bayheim is doing you everything. Tell me that he it's can. not Dolajai and uh, no. what's his name? <laughs> Dolajai is probably still Ma- there. Ma- McNamara. <laughs> Jerry McNamara is still there. That's exactly yeah, McNamara. <laughs> that was who I was thinking of. <laughs> Look. Syracuse, Syracuse is going to find their way into the tournament because they always they somehow find their way into the tournament. That's what they do. But they're not they're not a good they're not a good team. Sorry, they're just not they're just not a good team. They play the zone. It's a lazy zone. There's it's not even like a good zone this year because they don't have the athletes they usually have. This is going to be a blowout. We're in Cameron again after a loss. Oh, this boy. is a twenty point win. I'm going off the rails again. Here's this is what I do. To, to counteract the other nonsense, Duke 86, Syracuse 66. Bayheim brothers are going to get shut down. Jim Bayheim's going to ride off into the sunset. He might pee himself again. <laughs> Job well <laughs> Is done. Is he going to get and ejected and have to get escorted out by I the hope cops? so. God, I hope so. And we got Cole Swider. He, welcome back, Cole Swider. We recruited that dude. You're about to get your ass kicked. Like, it's look, – look, dog, I, I can't wait for this game because this is one of those where it's going to be one of those cathartic things. I can't wait. Oh man, I mean this whole thing. This whole, this whole, Jack, this whole podcast where he's been a therapy session. Uh, I'm just gonna quickly give my uh my opinion if it means anything. Uh I'm gonna say eighty six to seventy eight. I think that that's what the score is gonna be. Duke's gonna win it. And then Tuesday we have Clemson, seven PM at home again. AC do your thing here. Clemson is, again, not a good team. P.J. Hall is their leading scorer. When P.J. Hall is your leading scorer, <laughs> things are difficult. And P.J. Hall... Is he going to get dunked on again? P.J. Hall has a tattoo 
of Jalen Johnson's crotch on his face. So welcome back, PJ Hall, again in Cameron, because we don't play on the road. So again in Cameron. So give me give me another twenty point win. And this uh, here's here's the cool thing. I'm gonna call a and finally an AJ Griffin poster dunk is gonna happen, and it's probably gonna be PJ Hall. So Duke ninety one. <laughs> Clemson 64. Yeah, I, I, I agree kind of there that I think that this game is going to be one of those where we just kind of stomp the floor with them. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a, I, I don't like the 9 o'clock games, and I certainly don't like the 12 o'clock games. So 7 o'clock, really nice on a Tuesday, Jack. Give me give me some little high scoring. It'd be 94 to 62. Big-ass blowout. Big I was going to say 94-63. No okay, way. Go, Jack. <laughs> no way. I think That's Paulo, not- yep. Paulo Boncaro, or AJ Griffin, or both of them are going to have a monstrous dunk that is never going to be forgotten. I actually, last year after the Clemson game, I went back and grabbed a ton of footage of Duke players dunking on Clemson players in Cameron. <laughs> it goes way back. Abdelnabi, Leitner. It happens a lot. Ricky. <laughs> It happens yeah, a lot. So many. Yeah, it happens a uh, lot. Zion had that yep. 360. Yeah, somebody's gonna get baptized. Someone's going to. It's <laughs> it's a given. Poor Jalen Clemson. Johnson. That's it's it's always happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one it's the one positive Jalen Johnson had of coming to do. I, I, I mean, seriously, I can't actually name another one. I'm, I'm being honest. <laughs> You're, not wrong. You're not wrong. No, I'm not. All right, here we go. But here we go. Duke fans, I hope that we were able to get you back in the building. We're going to need you again. We're going to need you on Saturday. We're going to need you again on Tuesday. And then when we will be back for the UNC Louisville, we got all kinds of games. UVA coming up. It's a big stress for Duke. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the 5 Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!